Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status is the only K-12 data analytics platform designed to turn analysis into engagement. To learn more about how School Status can change your school district, head over to schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, Episode 71, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. A new report says boys don't read enough. Should we worry about facial recognition technology in the classroom? And a Florida teacher says she was fired for refusing to give a student partial credit on an assignment they didn't turn in. Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we speak with a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, a teacher uses theater to spread her anti-bullying message. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire, Lissa Pruitt, and education data expert, Russ Davis of School Status. Lissa, how are you doing? I'm great. Russ, how's it going there? It's going really good. Before we start, can I ask you guys a question? Sure. <laughs> what is the scariest Halloween movie you've ever seen? I don't really watch scary movies, but I did see the preview for the new Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. Have y'all seen the preview for that? Uh, yeah, and that's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, it was. It looked freaky. Yeah, the 1978 version I watched when I was very young because somebody left it lying around or something like that. It was like a rental. And you're not supposed to watch that at like nine or 10. Mm. Like it is stayed with me into my adulthood. And so now I see this new movie and it's got, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis in it. And, you know, I'm just, uh, I want to see it, but I am terrified. And the storyline is, I think the, the character in the old movie, he goes to an insane asylum and now he's out. And she yes. and she's been basically waiting for this day, like, you know, preparing for him to get out and, and taking precautions. And the time has come. And that's where we are now, I think. Right? Well, that's yes. the exact scariest movie. The one you referenced, Russ, same. The, the so 1978 scary. Halloween? Yes, like, it was a slumber party that we watched it at. And I remember just, I mean, I still have flashes of it. And I have never, I don't like scary movies because of that. I, I don't understand, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I don't understand why people like scary movies. Like, wh- like there, there's some psychology. Well, it's why it. people skydive, you know? I mean, I think That's it's different. I don't know. scares the hell out of you, I guess. I don't know. I think there's a thrill of, like, rush, but, like, to be scared, like, I don't know. I, I don't get that. Whatever I don't like the darkness, the, brain, I don't get the, the dementedness that comes out in scary movies. I don't like that. There's a difference between adrenaline jumping out of a plane and then being... Demented. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Halloween two that I saw. I okay. didn't. I, I don't remember seeing Halloween one, but Halloween two took place in a hospital, and I had a pretty good fear of hospitals until I was probably twenty. I still do. Like, yeah, is it's terrifying because of Halloween. Well, I'm yes. just not going to watch. Don't. Yep. There you go. Yep. Let's go ahead and jump into the teachers' lounge, Lisa. What do you know? Well, this is nothing new, but a recent article says that boys don't read enough. I haven't read that yet. <laughs> that was <so> always got <laughs> the short, short one-liners. <laughs> no, oh my, that is funny. But that's what you're here for. Tell us about it. Yeah, and I mean, I do agree. I do agree that, and there's so many reasons as to why females read more than males. One of it is modeling that you know males do not model reading yeah. to their youngsters. 
So if you don't see a dad that's constantly reading or talking about a good book, your son's not either. I mean, I know my wife reads more than me and Russ. I, I think I know your situation, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I I read a lot, but I don't I, I don't read books anymore. Like, I just can't I can't do it. From I'm what just, I understand, I'm for life. Your wife plows through books, from what I've heard, right? Yeah, she's the fastest reader I've ever seen in my entire life. So the fact that you have a daughter, you're in luck because she's going to see mom reading and she's going to mimic that. But if you guys ever have a son, you're going to have to crack a book every now and then. So Russ. is this the sole reason? Is this what? <laughs> no, the- that's one of many reasons. One of one of the reasons is sports and athletics that that is what they gravitate towards just naturally um video games did they mention that i think that they they did not mention that but they did mention that um there's not enough stimulant in reading so um one major cause is that there's not enough material that would spark their interest so comic books and graphic novels and mm-hmm. that the teachers and librarians need to do a better job of having that readily available um but what's interesting is like in the 1970s you know the female enrollment in universities if you look at the that number and then now it's a 40 percent growth of females in universities than used to be and is, is this article subtly getting at the fact that like girls are just smart, smarter than guys? Well, that, they did stick a toe into the area that girls are more thorough than boys and that girls are going to take their time and they're going to read a passage wholly where guys will skim and just chunk read, you know. Um, and, and Does Fortnite count as reading? Starting, I'm curious. No. Asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're starting to see a, quite a gender gap with, I mean, Guys are falling behind intellectually because they feel like it, it stems from reading. And that's funny you say Fortnite, Russ. I will say this. The <laughs> Fortnite episode that we did by far is our most clicked on episode on our website. <laughs> Boy, day. are they going to be disappointed when they get into it. <laughs> right. Every day, like, it, people are just, you know, searching for that on Google right now. It is the hot item, you know. That's crazy. Yep. So they did a study of 65 participating countries, 64 out of 65 participating countries said that girls prefer to read for pleasure and boys do not. Like that's, I mean, this is not just America. This is around the world. This is a trend. Um, and, and a lot of it does, they, you know, come from just nature and nurture, but they, they pointed out that the brain is neutral so, that there is no there is nothing in the brain that's going to say, oh well, girls are going to be more attuned to reading. So you're in the trenches. You see these students every day. Do you agree with this hypothesis yeah. or maybe I, research? I do, and even in my own household, I agree with it. Um, you know, even with my boys, they through certain classes that they've had to read a novel. They like the novel. They actually are like, this is a good book. You know, they like the novel. But are they going to go out and find another novel to read just on their own? No, they're not. Um, You know, I do think rambunctiousness, if that's a word, hyperactivity, a lot of that has a lot to do with it. And so when you have free time as a boy, sitting still is not something you want to do. You want to break out and get out there. Whether it's on a video game or running or whatever, I, I don't know about you, Russ, but for me, I feel like it's it is a stimulant thing. Like I I read a lot, 
but it's news articles, Twitter. So I'm reading in these little like micro bursts and I'm constantly taking in information. But when it comes to the evening time, when I need to turn it off, I would love to have the ability to just relax my brain and say, you know what? I'm going to read this book. And I struggle to do that. It's like my brain's going 90 to nothing. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it too. I, I will say this. I do read the New York Times on Sunday. Like I get a physical paper delivered to my house and I read it not cover to cover, but pretty close. And um, that's what I do on Sunday generally with a three-year-old running around. And ever since she's been young, she's watched me do that. You know, she's she's three, of course. She's still very young. But so I'm trying to – I guess I model that and I read that. But, you know, as far as me picking up a book, I'm with you, Nick. It's hard for me to turn my mind off and focus on that. I just think about all the things that I could or should be doing at that moment. I feel guilty. So here's what's important, though. It doesn't matter that it's not a novel. So if you are reading, you know, story, news stories or coverage, or like you said, the New York Times, what's important if you have a youngster or middle age, you know, middle, middle schooler or high school, they need to read something. They need to find something to read, even if it's a magazine. Um, but obviously you need to pay attention to the vocabulary because boys are notorious for reading things below their reading level. And they need to read something just a little above or right at. Um, so there's nothing wrong with it being a newspaper or an article um, as long as, you know, it's clean and and that they are doing the act of reading. Because what they're showing is that boys are not reading unless they are required to in school or for school. But otherwise, there is no reading. And if they don't even have an interest in magazines anymore because they do not like the act of reading. It's really a shame. I, I want to read more, but I just, <laughs> I, I just can't. I feel like I'm in a support group I with know, y'all. I kind of do. Okay, I kind of feel that way. It's okay. Russ, even when, even when I'm on vacation, I struggle to, to read. Oh. Like that's the time when you should See, read. Like, right. right. I'm going out of town to. this weekend. I already have my book picked, but I do read all the time. And when I can't physically read, I listen to audio books when I paint. Okay. All right. Quick question. And we'll move on to the next topic. Cause my wife and I were having, I won't say a debate, but this discussion, um, last night. And it was when you listen to a book from start to finish, non abridged on audiobook, do you have the right to say, Oh, I read that book when you're like, talking oh. to someone later? yes, I, I think so too. If it's unabridged, yes. If it's abridged, you, you read, you listen to the cliff's notes. Here's, here's why you have the right to say that. Because you gave that author your 100% attention to what they created. So if you went and watched the movie and then turned around. But you did. You you listened to every word they wrote. You can paint while you're listening. That's my wife's argument is like you can do other things while you're listening. So I can read a book and think about what I need to buy at the grocery store too. So your mind wanders no matter what. But my point is, is you listen to or read every single word that that author put on paper. If you watched the movie and then was like, oh yeah, I read that, lies. If you read the cliff notes and said, oh yeah, I read that, lies, because you didn't you didn't in full text, you didn't get everything, you didn't get the character development and all that. So I do think it's the same. And there are a lot of dyslexic parents right now that are saying it is absolutely the same. I like to say, I read that book and then my wife's like, no, you didn't. 
you listened to it while you were driving. Yeah, and I would I'm say like, I read the book. And then I have to like admit to the person I'm talking to, like, you're right, you're right. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's not shame our spouses, <laughs> but um, I would definitely say you are within your rights to say I read that book. Because if you went to the movie, if they happen to make a movie of it, you would notice everything that wasn't in the book. It, this is true, and I've done that. Yeah. So Ready Player One was the last one that I listened to. Oh All right, Russ, you're up. What do you know? Well, how many of you remember real networks? Now, listen, you may not be. I don't want to like just, yeah. just listen, start assuming. Yeah, no, she won't. I know. <laughs> I remember real networks. So I have back no in idea the, what you're talking about. I can't even laugh at the okay. joke because I don't know what you're okay. saying. Okay, so real networks back in the day, back in the dial-up day, whenever twenty-eight point eight modems were a thing. Okay. Real networks was the first thing video really that i remember watching online and it was about the size of a postage stamp and it was about five or six frames per second but man i was watching video right and it was coming through the internet and that was amazing right right and and for a very long time real networks was it they had real player and they had a real player server and that was the way that you broadcast video on the internet right back in the 90s okay well early just 90s. The other- Never heard of it. Never heard of it. So there was, uh, so those guys popped across my newsfeed the other day, and there was an article in the Seattle Times, and it started talking about real networks. And I literally said, that's still a thing. Like, that's still a thing. I can't believe it. So basically, what real networks has been doing for the past couple of years is that they have been developing a, what they call a best of breed technology called SAFER, S-A-F-R, Secure Accurate Facial Recognition. And they are giving this away to schools starting this summer for free. And they've been working on it for three three years. They have 8 million faces and more than 8 billion data points. And it's supposed to be the most accurate facial recognition software on the planet. So what do you right? use it for? Just like getting into access, the class? Access, access control. So... They, they go on to talk, talk about this in this article that the CEO of the company uh, sends his child to a, a school that's a, it's a private elementary school called University Child Development School. And essentially, parents have been – they can choose whether to enroll or not. But instead of typing in a code or checking in with the office, all they have to do is walk up to um, this iPad that's mounted on a clear piece of glass, and they smile, and it lets them into school which I think is pretty neat. But there are obviously some concerns, right? And the first is going to be privacy. So do we want, you know, a large database of students' faces running around with a third-party company? And I just wanted to, to talk about that and get your thoughts on that between the two of you. I'm of the opinion that your face is already in a bunch of databases, yeah. Like they caught, uh, I, I can't remember who they caught recently using facial recognition so quickly, but it was like one of the shooter. It was, uh, we talked about this last episode. It was the, um, uh, or a couple episodes ago, it was the the newsroom shooter. Mm-hmm. They found who, exactly who he was because he could get good fingerprints because they use facial recognition technology. And so, you know, I think the jig is up. Like your, your face is already running around in a bunch of databases anyway, why not use it to do some good, which is to spot people on campus that that should not be there, right? Let's what say you? What do you think about this technology? 
It's so weird, though. I, it reminds me of this, like, Tom Cruise movie from a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, what was that? Um, oh, it was... Um, it would show the, their faces. Um, when they would, like, walk into a store, they'd be like, welcome back. Tom Anderson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, was, this is going to kill me. What is Minority um, Report. Oh, Minority yes, Report. Okay, yes, I just watched I it thinking. again the other day. I listened to the book is on audio. It great? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, I mean, okay, here's... I know some softwares that my school uses that already has children's faces in the software now i know it's not facial recognition software but their faces are out there you know everywhere and i've sometimes i feel this way even with photo releases people are like oh my child can't be photographed well you know what too late you're (laughs) you're you're in a totally different time now where there's photos everywhere there's facebook instagram there's you know we're encouraging schools to use these social platforms to interact more and with the and new they're parents. Definitely, yeah, they're right, definitely so photo photo recognizing them. Right, like, absolutely. So, so it's kind of like, eh, you know, sorry, you can't be photographed, but like, it is what it is. You know, like you're in a public institution, and there are cameras everywhere. That's how it is. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I do see where I would love to know if there was somebody on campus that wasn't really supposed to be there that and and maybe they were there visiting their child and maybe we already had that person flagged and knew that they were maybe dangerous in their past but no longer you know but i i think if you if you can have somebody recognize that is problematic on your campus i don't know i don't have a problem with it i really don't either as long as they're not selling the data Right. And that's, that's that's really and I mean those right. those contracts can be written. All right, so we are short on time, and this next topic I know you guys are going to want to have an opinion on. So, a teacher in Florida says she was fired for refusing to give students partial credit on an assignment they didn't turn in. Now, there's a little bit more to the story. The teacher <sighs> was a new teacher, and she was apparently let go without cause because she was still in that probationary period. A lot, right. of, a lot of places have this probationary period mm-hmm. where basically it's like it's not going to work out. Um, but apparently she says student did not turn in the assignment. She gave him a zero. They wanted her to give him a 50 or her, him or her, the student, a 50 and the teacher refused. Now she's gone. Thoughts. If you listen carefully, you can hear Lissa's blood boiling. <laughs> this is Just true. Listen. This is it true. sounds like, it sounds like a tea kettle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good tea kettle. Thanks. That was with my mouth. Not, not a, I a am getting angry. I, I'm not coming to hang out with y'all next week. Y'all are making me angry. Um, I'm sorry. Where, when in life, when in, in any point of life, are you going to get partial credit for not showing up? Okay. As your wife that adores you, if you are at your fantasy football draft and don't make it to the birth of your baby boy, are you going to get partial credit for that? No. If if you go to a university and you simply do not turn in a paper, you are going to get a zero. Like, why are we hovering around these children and acting like they're in these bubbles and that if you do nothing, you're going to get something? You do the work, you progress, you win. You do nothing, you stand still, and you eventually what appears to be going backwards because everyone else around you is moving forward. So therefore you appear to be going backwards. She's so angry. Because I keep you having do to turn her microphone nothing. down. 
Like, <laughs> the microphone's sounding hot. I'm sorry. It is just not so right. Here's, here, here's my view on it. Is that I don't okay, whatever the issue is, Lissa's absolutely right about all the the teaching related issues. The issue that I have is A, this is why teachers are tenured, right? This is like with states that offer tenure, this is one of them, so they can't be fired for arbitrary crap. And the second thing is, is that the principal should have the full right to just override her and say, I'm gonna give them as the academic leader of the school, I'm going to give them a 50 or whatever, and that be notated, and then the teacher's absolved. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I see, I, I see, listen, <laughs> but I kind of see what he's saying. He's saying, like, let her own it, or let, the, let him or her let, let the other own person it. own it. Yeah. Like, if you want to do it, that's it's like an editor in a news, news article, right? If you write a paper, if you write an article and the editor disagrees with your lead or strikes a quote or whatever, at some point you can say, you should have the byline this is no longer me anymore. Right. And in most newsrooms, they're willing to do that. Go, sure. No problem. You don't want the byline. I'll take the byline, you know? Um, so that's the kind of how I look at it that I, I don't think that you're saying it's, I don't, not, it's not a fireable offense. I don't think it's a fireable offense, no, but I also don't think that, that there should be a case or insubordination here at all. I think that the teachers should be allowed to make their point. And if they don't want to give them the grade, that's fine. But the te- the principal can overrule them. But it's basically made under his name and not the teacher's name. Right. right? Does that make sense? You shouldn't get rid of a teacher um, based on this. And I'm sure there's more to the story. But most schools have a policy on this one way or the other. I worked for a school once that you were not allowed to give a zero at all. And, 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 I, I guess and you the, had to give a 50 because if you gave a child a zero, there was nothing they could do to come back from it. Right. But what ends up happening, you have to be very careful because you will have children that never turn in work because they're going to get a 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. And then they end up in their report cards having B's or C's when they did most of the time nothing. So you have to be careful yeah. if you're going to have that policy. I think it is very important, even in the youngest grades to teach children, if you do nothing, you get nothing, <laughs> you know? Like, so if, if you don't participate, you're getting nothing out of it and you will get nothing in return. The more you put in, the more you'll get back. Even if it wasn't your best grade, if you put the work in and did, did the project, you're going to get something back. It may not be the best, but you're going to get something back because you put something in. Well, we are way over, but uh, I'll just let everyone kind of come up with their own opinion on it. Lissa's head's about to explode, and <laughs> we're going to move on to the bright idea. Are you guys ready for the bright idea, Lissa? Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what it is. It's Lissa's got a bright idea in her head. <laughs> yeah. It's uplifting. It is okay, uplifting. Okay, great. Yes, I'm ready. We are going to talk to a teacher that has worked with students to spread the anti-bullying message, but she's doing it in a unique way, so stay tuned. Okay. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is a singer, musical theater performer, and has taught choir, music, and drama to students in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. Marianne Mangini is joining us today to talk about an original musical her students performed called You Are Worth It, which teaches lessons about bullying and self-worth. Marianne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, We really appreciate you joining us. Uh, You Are Worth It has a cast of about 15 students, and you guys traveled from school to school to kind of teach an anti-bullying message. Where did this idea begin for you? 
So this idea actually started with my full group that I have. I have a youth show choir of about 50 members, and we're called the Fantastics. Um, a few years ago in the spring, we were doing a cabaret-type show, and I, I decided to write them a little show with a moral. So I wrote them uh, a show called Drama Without Drama, and it kind of explored the idea of bullying on all like age levels, so at the you know student level, but also exploring bullying at the teacher level, which is actually something that I experienced personally. Um, when you say that, you mean from teacher to teacher or teacher to student? Yeah, teacher to teacher. Wow. Okay. I've also seen it teacher to student, which is very sad. Right. But, but but yeah, teacher to teacher. Um, so this show was such a success with our audiences that I thought, you know what, I'm going to write a spinoff that that is about 45 minutes to an hour in length and has an interactive portion for students that we can take into schools. And I kind of whittled the cast down to about 15 of my kids so that, you know, they wouldn't miss too much school during the school day. And I don't want, you know, too many of them. But we we did double cast the show, so that's kind of cool. Right. So, So the message itself, how deep or serious, I guess, for lack of a better term, do you get about bullying? Well, I feel like the show is tailored to kids and probably we've performed for kindergarten, but we've actually had a couple kids kind of cry <laughs> during the show because it does it does get a little bit intense. There's a show there's a portion that explores a a girl's story which is more emotional, um in, in like verbal harassment and like Facebook like cyberbullying. And but the boy story kind of gets a little physical, and I think that scares younger audiences. So um, at the end, one of the endings is that the boy runs away from home, and they can't find him. The police have been looking for him for you know thirteen hours, and they can't find him. And in the girl's story, uh, her father is sick, and she keeps trying to tell her friends that that's why. You know, she appears very disheveled at school. Um, Her clothes are wrinkly and not clean and and stuff like that. And uh, the girls are picking on her, but it's because her father is sick and her mom has to work. So her mom's not home to help her, you know, get ready and do laundry and things like that. But the girls don't know that story. And in in her story, her father actually, like, passes away. But then um, there's an interactive portion where we ask the students, you know, could you do one thing, could one of the characters have done one thing different that would have changed the storyline? And we show how the storyline could be, you know, a positive thing if just one person does something to help out. Wow. And and it sounds incredible. And when you are, you know, revealing these, these stories of of this girl and this boy, what's the reaction? What's the, what's the room like? Does it, is it like you can hear a pin drop? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I think especially because it's tailored for kids and it's performed by kids, they really, really listen. It's much better than, I mean, I could go and and juggle and, you know, spin on my head and the kids would (laughs) probably (laughs) listen better to other kids, you know. And why do you think that is? I just think they see a lot of themselves in these performers. And I, I also think they're very captivated by the amount of talent in these young people. Um maybe they see some of themselves in them like, wow, I could, maybe I could perform like this or I can't imagine performing like this in front of so many people. I think they're just captivated on, on multiple levels. 
Do you know of a specific time maybe you, you changed a student's perspective? Did you ever hear from somebody who, who told you a story after you guys performed? We so in During that interactive portion, it is revealed like a lot of the kids, you know, do do know the right thing to do. They do offer good advice for trying to, you know, help the help out the people being bullied. But um, no, as far as like a- after the show is over, the only thing that I've heard is from from parents in the district whose children are not musically inclined or they, they don't really like the musical arts. They leave the auditorium singing the songs like they went home singing some of our songs and some of the messages. That leads me to my next question, which is, how hard is it to, to come up with songs? It's, it's a musical, essentially, but it's a heavy topic. Yes. How do, you, do you have uplifting songs or, or are they, you know, more solos? What, what do you do there? Well, the only uplifting song in the show is the last song, which is called You Are Worth It. And I wanted to leave, I wanted to end on a happy note, an uplifting note, and, and the message that everyone is worth it. But the, to, to tell you the truth, the first like four songs in the show are either kind of sad, um, they reveal, they're like asides, like character asides, where the characters reveal what they're thinking, and even the teachers sing. So the teachers reveal what they're thinking. Um, a lot of times kids don't tell adults, they don't let the adults in on what's going on and they have no clue that this bullying is happening, um, or they turn a blind eye to it, you know? And so they're in their soliloquies, they kind of, uh, reveal that, that they're, they're, they're kind of ignorant to it. And, um, and then there is a duet between the two kids being bullied, which, which is very sad. It's called like me for me. And it's just saying, you know, why can't these kids, why can't they like me for who I am? You know, why can't they like me for me? And there's even a song sung by one of the bystanders, one of the girls who feels pulled. She's in between the popular crowd and trying to help this girl being bullied. And uh, the song is called What to Do. Like, what what do I do? How do I handle this? I want to be popular, but I'm going to be, you know, ostracized from this popular group if I speak up. Um, so they, they all kind of have like a, uh, uh, they're, they're pretty downtrodden <laughs> to be honest. You, um, obviously have a background, you're a very talented singer and, and performer, but oh, thank you. And, and if anyone wants to listen to your stuff, it's incredible. Uh, you're on YouTube. I uh, just type in, uh, Mary Ann Mangini, but, uh, that's a sidebar. The, uh, as you were writing this performance, how much, um, input did you have from the students that were going to perform it? Did they change your direction at all? Um, not, see, here's the thing. My kids are, fortunately, we live in a really awesome district with a lot of parental support. And my kids, I feel, are the cream of the crop. They're they're top notch. And our program, The Fantastics, is a zero tolerance bullying zone. So I don't actually get to see my kids misbehaving or whatnot, but I did kind of have some of the kids in mind. Like I know their abilities and I kind of had some of them in mind when I was writing some of the parts. Um, And, you know, going back to that show, that drama without drama, first kind of bullying show that we did before you are worth it kind of led me on that path. Like what, what, what person would be best at playing the bully? What person would be best at, you know, being bullied. But but no, I really didn't. I kind of just went with it. I kind of just wrote it on my own. 
What did you learn in, in putting this all together? I learned that this bullying thing is just such a sad epidemic. And sometimes it just doesn't stop at the, you know, at the school level, it can carry on through adulthood. And it's just so sad. And, and we have to rise above it. But I think above all, we have to learn how to be kind. So I think the big thing that it taught me is to try to lead by example, and try to always be kind to one another. I have to exemplify that for my kids or, you know, I can't expect them to do the same thing. If somebody's listening to this and our audience is mostly K through 12 teachers um, and they're thinking, I want to do this. I want to do something like this in my school. Where can they start? How hard is it to put something like this together? I felt that it was, uh, see, I love writing shows though. I mean, I wrote the script for it first and then the music, honestly, Nick, I felt like it was kind of divinely in, inspired. It was, it just kind of wrote itself. Um, the songs just came flying out and even the, the melodies for them, which, I mean, I think that's, I think it's kind of hard. I think it's, it might be easier to write a show, to write a script than it is to write music, but I don't know. Everyone has their own, you know, individual talents, but, um, I did it over the course of a few weeks in the summer. I don't know anything about how show business works in, in that regard. Um, is it ever s something that you would consider, you know, selling or putting out there for, for other school districts to use? I would absolutely love that. And I, I, and I have the feeling it's going to go to that level. I think it's going to become something big because, you know, this is such an ep epidemic and it is something that's highly effective. And I, the other, one of the things that I always ask the administrators when I leave a building is, you know, if you could kindly give me any feedback as to material that you think I should include in this, or, you know, if they have a certain theme that they want me to capitalize on uh, when I come to their school, I can always, you know, alter the script a little bit to encapsulate what they're trying to teach. Like the one school we just went to had a Mr. Rogers theme. So we really tried to hit upon the fact that like the won't you be my neighbor thing mm -hmm. yeah. and trying to be more inclusive to the to the people who are being bullied instead of, you know, ostracizing them and casting them away. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's a good way to do that? Through your website or your yes, social media? Yes, my website my website has a direct link to my email. Like it'll, um, there's a link for that. And if they want to email me, if that's easier, uh, my email is M A R E M A N G Marymange at gmail.com. And, uh, your website is Mary Correct. Correct. All right. Well, uh, Mary Ann, we, uh, love the work that you're doing. Uh, I think it's, it's really a positive thing. And I, and I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, having this message come from students rather than adults is going to have way more of an impact. So, uh, great job. Oh, thank you so much. Um, are you ready for our pop quiz? Yeah, I guess so. Right? I'm nervous. I didn't study. I know. And, and I did not give you the answers. So, uh, stand by. First question coming up. If students could okay. only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Math. All right. Uh, what are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Um, etiquette, like manners. Okay. Why, why do you say that? That's one of the first times I've gotten that one. Um, I think just generally how to interact with people. Um, I, you, I see like, I, I, I guess it just all goes back to being able to, to talk to people, to be able to um, be 
be kind to others, treat them with respect. Maybe it's maybe I should say respect, but I guess that goes with manners. I think so. What does every child deserve? Love. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Um, all of the uh, standardized tests and things like that that have to be given. They have to teach to a test instead of developing their own curriculum. What's the best gift to give an educator? The best gift? Um, support. Which teacher changed your life? Gosh, I, I had so many, but I'm going to say my choir teacher. Uh, her name was Lorraine Smith. She's just amazing. She taught me how to be a person and, an, and, a, and a teacher, a role model, in addition to be a strong music educator. And last question, pen or pencil? Pencil. All right, Mary Ann Mangini. Again, we appreciate your time. The website's maryannmangini.com. And uh, keep up all the great work. Thank you so much, Nick. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you, so if you want to send us an idea or a comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter. Just search for us by typing in Class Dismiss. On behalf of Russ with School Status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ward. To go, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.